Attention customers, Brand X, the No Frills podcast, will begin in just a few moments. This is a reminder that this podcast may contain spoilers. Consider yourself warned. Thank you. Welcome to Brand X, the No Frills generic movie podcast. We don't have any celebrities, never had them, never will. We are banking totally on personality, which means it's just like the last 20 years of my dating life. Uh, I'm Scott. <laughs> I'm Aaron. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about part four of our seven-part series on the impact of corduroy on the domestic export strategy of Great Britain in the 1960s. Yeah, I want to talk about the uh, the Great Corduroy Fire of uh, 1962. Well, I think we all do, really. I mean, it had such a vast effect on how much corduroy the rest of the world uh, ended up wearing. Yeah. For the next five years, at least. It, it really raised a lot of awareness on corduroy-based sport activities. I'm not familiar with corduroy-based sport activities, uh, Aaron. Do you think you could elaborate? on that? Well, the speed walking was real bad. Well, yeah, I mean, it would just, you know, rub together and eventually just start on fire. Right, just fire between your legs. Lots of fire. You know, I, I'm kind of sick of talking about this. Can we talk about something else? <laughs> yeah, we can talk about Dread. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, you want to talk about uh, Stallone movie? Oh, that's perfect for this show. It's been a while, though, since, uh, since Judge Dread came out. Wait, 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 wait. Do you mean Judge Dread or Dread? Is there a difference? Is there, there's, there's a movie called Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone, and then there's a movie that came out last year with Carl Urban. Oh, oh, okay. Um, Which one are we watching this week? 800 million people living in the ruin of the old world. Only one thing fighting for order in the chaos. The men and women of the Hall of Justice. Sentence is death. Dread is about the highly experienced Judge Dread, who takes a rookie psychic named Anderson to a triple homicide for her first field evaluation. During investigation, they nab a prime suspect, which causes the resident crime lord to lock down the building and hunt them down. Of course, Dread is based on the British comic series. Uh, that's comic spelled C-O-M-I-X, an alternative spelling to let you know that the comic is also alternative. <laughs> I did not know that. I thought that was a, a, an American-based comic. No, no, it's a British-based comic. It's been serialized in a comic called 2000 A.D. Judge Dredd was just one of a, a various number of uh, comics that were in there. I mean, it was first published in 1977, so... Was it always based in the U.S.? No, no, it's a U.K. comic. No, I know, but I mean, was the storyline always based in the U.S.? Yes, yes it was. Now, I, I full disclosure, I know about the Judge Dredd comic. I've never actually been able to read a lot of it for reasons of just not having access to it, and now the Internet has made it available on uh, the Kindle and other e-reader products, so I actually have no excuse at this point. But I still haven't read it, so... No, I've never read it either. I know I know both movies and that's about it. The information that I have here says it's been featured in uh, 2000 AD since the second issue in 1977 and it's the longest running feature of that magazine. Cool. It deserves it. It's a great comic or it's a great world. I don't know. I like I like the uh the mythology they create. They tried to do the movie <laughs> with Sylvester Stallone 
way back in 1995. That's a whole other show. That, that is a whole other show. In fact, we, it's not even a whole other show that we should do. But I really love the podcast, How Did This Get Made? And How Did This Get Made has already done the work for us. They did a whole episode about Judge Dredd. They covered it. It was great. If you want to listen to that one, I highly recommend you scoot over to iTunes and download it. Uh, the people who do that podcast are hilarious, and that is a very good episode. That was my first thought when I started this movie. It does not have nearly enough... Uh, what was that guy's name? Stallone? No, no, no. The other guy. Rob Schneider. Good Lord. Not nearly enough Rob Schneider in this movie. There is a dearth of Rob Schneider in this movie, and that is exactly why this movie is great. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I liked Dread. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Maybe not enough to like say I'd want to own this. But enough to like, to give it, like, maybe another watch after this one. Oh, I love this movie. This was brilliant. So that's that's the end of our podcast, ladies <laughs> yeah, and gentlemen. Aaron liked it. I liked it. What else is there to say? No critical evaluation necessary at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I took notes. <laughs> we, we can't discuss this movie without discussing the fact that this movie was fairly well regarded when it came out in 2012. We are uh, three days off of a national attempt to try and get a Dread sequel. Cool. Yeah, about four, three or four days ago, uh, there was a giant call online for a Dread sequel. September 18th, 2013, a day of action for Dread fans. <laughs> they said, and I'm quoting from an online news article, we're asking everyone who signed the petition to come together next Wednesday and drive Dread back up the charts. If everyone who signed the petition bought an extra DVD or Blu-ray or rented it on iTunes and Netflix, it will send the loudest signal yet that we want more Dread. I don't think it's going to happen. No. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen too many of those things go through. But I would love to see a sequel. This was a fabulous movie. Yeah, it's a real shame because uh, when I first heard that it was coming out, I, I said what I imagine a bunch of other people said, which was, do we really need a Dread sequel? Or I, I assumed it was going to be either a sequel or a remake. I asked very publicly on Facebook, do we really need another attempt at this? And the answer is resoundingly yes. They did it right this time. Or yeah. at least... At least I think they did it right. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be comparing it to the comic as you won't either because we're not familiar with it enough. But if we if we're going to be comparing it to the last attempt to make a movie around this concept, this one worked a thousand times better than the other one did. Yeah, it had a lot of a lot of little things in it that felt like they would have come from a comic. It felt like whatever its source material was, it played authentically to that. Give me an example of one of these things you're talking about. Well, he never takes his helmet off, and I like that a lot. That's a big. That's part of the comics too. That's they they promised the fans that Dread would have the helmet on and he'd never take it off because he doesn't take it off in in the movie. Or, yeah, in the movie. Yeah. Um, and if you watch the Sylvester Stallone Dread, you can tell that there was probably at some point Stallone was telling his agent or someone who was negotiating with him on the film. Yeah, I don't want to take off. I, I want to have the helmet on the entire time, right? Yeah, you know, I want people to see my face so they know it's me. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a whole lot um, not in line with what I imagine the canon is in that movie. But no, I really think this one did it right. That he was he was the the judge. Judge Dredd was amazing. Carl Urban was awesome in the role. He did, he did an incredible grimace the entire time. Well, I will say he was. Fine. All right. You want to talk more about that? He, yeah, he was fine because 
and I, I don't know if you're going <laughs> to, I don't know how you're going to feel about this comment, but Judge Dredd is not really a main character. Hmm. He's not the main character of this movie. If you want to get into it, the main character really is uh, the villain, Mama. <laughs> I suppose she does. Maybe. I don't know. How, how... There's much more backstory about Mama. There is a lot of focus on her. The only other person in the movie who might be considered to be a main character is Anderson. That's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. But I, I actually think Dredd went through more... I mean, if we're going to talk about Anderson and Dredd, I think Dredd went through more character development than Anderson did. Well, let me say this. I'm not saying that Judge Dredd is a bad character. I'm just saying there's not a whole lot you can do with that character. Mm -hmm. He's not one that's going to go through a whole lot of change. I, I, I don't know. He did, though. I mean, like, so here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm looking at. Anderson went in already, like, pretty confident of her abilities and pretty sure that she was, like, going to do okay. And she came out the same way. She was just, like, a little bit more confident of her abilities and, and whatever. She, like, didn't seem phased. She didn't seem to learn anything new. She just learned she could handle that situation. But Dredd went in, like, totally by the book. That's what he does. He's always, everything is, is I don't know, by the book is the best words I can come up with right now. Yeah, but, but when he comes out, he's decided to fudge the rules a little bit. He passes Anderson even though she screwed up. She, like, lost her gun which is an automatic fail. And he said that right off the bat, but he decides by the end that she's going to pass anyway. So he, he learns that you can't do everything by the book all the time. So I feel like he goes through, and I know it's not much, but it's more character development than I think Anderson goes through. Maybe. I also, I mean, as much as I like Judge Dredd, I also think Mama is a much more interesting character. Because, I mean, the way that Judge Dredd is portrayed in this movie He's not cracking one-liners or anything like that because the character has no sense of humor. I love that. You, I know you love that. He is, but to me, that's. I mean, it's it's true to the character, which I like, but it also makes it sometimes for a fairly uninteresting dialogue between the two. Between him and Anderson. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I thought they were. A, <laughs> I actually thought they were a great team. It was like they didn't need to talk a whole lot. They had so much respect for each other's abilities. That's fine. I mean, I'm not. This again. This is nitpicking on my part. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to tear the movie apart, looking for something that isn't there. But I think it's like I said. If this is a movie that I would rather watch a couple of times and then I'm fine with, I, this isn't one that I'm going to keep going back to. There's a lot of movies about a, a partnership in this respect that had just a little bit more electricity between the two, and a lot of that is dialogue based. Yeah. But like I said. Not trying to not trying to pull this one apart. I mean, it's perfectly fine the way it is. Well, that's the end of this podcast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I'm just looking. Th I I don't have any major complaints. Um, what I liked was, first of all, you can tell this movie. This was a this was most likely a, a pretty low budget movie. Low budget, comparatively speaking, for the age in which we make movies these days. You can tell right away when there's, you know, three or four production companies right up front that all probably kicked in a couple of million bucks to see what would come out of this. But we spend almost the entire time that we're in the movie locked inside of a, a high-rise. 
um, which is the hallmark of low-budget filmmaking. You know, you try and limit yourself to places that you can shoot on the cheap and you can reuse over and over. I don't know how many times we saw the same hallway over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yep. And one of the other things that I, I mean, I, I just like that. I like the fact that this was a movie that was made on the cheap. You know, in the hands of someone else, they would try and go probably pretty high budget and try and we try and get out of the high rise. Getting out of the high rise at this point isn't that interesting because there is nothing outside of that high rise except other high rises. Yeah, right. That's one of the things that, that's one of the things I liked about this. Judge Dredd the 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 Stallone one came right on the heels of uh, another Stallone movie called Demolition Man. And it's been a while since I've seen the other Judge Dredd, but when I saw it, I thought that Demolition Man uh, Judge Dredd really reminded me of Demolition Man in that you've got a dystopian future or utopian, depending on your viewpoint of the two movies, and then they spend half the time trying to fight the villain, and the other half of the time is kind of a and I'm and I'm speaking loosely here, but it's kind of a, an analysis of the social context of where they are in America at this time, you know. Judge Dredd is, you know, they talk, they, they deal a lot with the dystopian nature of, of the U.S. in Judge Dredd. They talk about the utopian part of, of uh, Demolition Man. And that's one way you can go on a movie like this. The other way you could go, which is what they did for Dredd, which is basically five minutes total of exposition. You know, Carl Urban at the beginning talking about how most of America is an irradiated wasteland. Everybody's been confined to uh, a whole bunch of high-rises, the total population is now 800 million living in Mega City One. It's basically like they're saying, okay, here's the parameters. Everybody got it. Okay, now we're just gonna do an action movie under these parameters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's like they it's like they say that the um the story is in the world. The world is not in the story. That's right. So there's there's more going on here. They alluded a little bit to like the cursed the cursed land outside the walls. But really, this is just, here's here's a bad situation, here's one, you know, a day in the life of Judge Dredd. Right, and we're not stopping to talk about what's going on uh, politically or culturally. This is, like you said, one day in the life. It's This is one way to go with this type of story, and the fact that they did it like this endeared the movie to me, because this wasn't, I mean, if, if as much as I remember of the original Judge Dredd movie, <laughs> he was fighting... Uh, Armand Sante, and then in between you were getting, you know, he's been set up to, to get judged, and so you have to go through the whole process of, of one of the judges getting judged and all that. I'm glad they, you know, just kind of said, we're not doing that. Here's one patrol that Judge Dredd goes on, and this is how it goes. I really like that. If I could pick one word to describe how I feel about this movie, or the way I think this movie is made, is, is, is that it's pure. It's very simple. It's very down, down to. It's very focused about what it wants to be. It's just an action movie, and it doesn't pull in any kind of. It doesn't pull in much, much other drama or or stuff like that, which is nice. It's it's like it's it's refreshing to just sort of sit down and watch a great action film, and it really is. Right, and it and it could have gone oh so wrong, and in fact, this the way that they did it here doesn't always work. You know. It, Sometimes if you really work on building a world that seems really interesting and then you dispatch that part of it just for the sake of having an action movie, you feel cheated about it. I didn't feel cheated watching Judge Dredd. Or, excuse me, watching just Dredd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually felt like the city could have used more 
development. Like there, um, I get that it's like sort of a la large wasteland, but uh, it it felt like I had no scale of where they were in the city. There was no like center to the city. It was just nothing but urban sprawl and these huge skyscrapers that seemed, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of these skyscrapers. Right. And of course, I live uh, in a major city in the Middle East um, that has nowhere near the 800 million people that are living in Mega City One. And I was very surprised to watch, to see midday with 800 million people, there was absolutely no traffic on the roads, <laughs> giving uh, Dread the opportunity to do a really nice uh motorcycle car chase right well i think that kind of makes sense because um if it is nothing but sprawl and all these uh these skyscrapers are like self-contained little cities in themselves people probably don't need to commute that much fair enough <laughs> at least that's that's my my theory on that i won't argue with your logic aaron good you would lose <laughs> i did have a hard time like with the when when the movie opens there's the three people that are thrown over the balcony and a hard time mixing you know people walking around with their babies in carriages and seeming like they're going about their lives and the idea that society has deteriorated so much that you need you know officers on the street that have have the right to kill criminals like on the spot so it it just seems like there's a disconnect between the the power of the of the police force and how sort of normal other people seem to regard the world i don't know it just seems it seems like you're saying that you don't understand why if it seems like there is a general order to people going about their daily lives why they need why they need judges who come and execute people on the spot for committing crimes i don't know i guess i'm going back on that maybe 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 it fits what was it? It seemed we. I, I guess it seemed weird that three people skinned and thrown two hundred feet off a balcony would would only warrant two judges. Well, but maybe the the notion that I got from the movie is that the judges are so efficient. I mean, you're all, you're hiring the best people possible to do a job in a city of eight hundred million people. I mean, uh, the judge Judge Dredd basically says, you know. There's only so many judges out there for a city of 800 million. You know, how many calls do we mm -hmm. take a day? So really, they they have to they have to have a measured response to everything. They have to have a measured response, and they probably have a lot of confidence in the people who they've hired to do this job. I mean, it's far be it for me to tell you know the people who created Judge Dredd how to do their job, but it seems to me like if you have someone who is get, being given the authority to execute people on the spot, they'll probably tend to hire somebody who is fairly tempered. I mean, we don't see Judge Dredd having any, like, rage strokes where he just goes nuts killing people. He's very measured. He's very deliberate. Although he is angry on the inside. We learn that because uh, when Anderson is sitting in the in the room, she can sense that he's anger, angry. Right. Well, that, I assume that was going to be explored in the sequel that we're never going to get. Yeah, because um, I was looking at the the production budget is around fifty million, and the worldwide gross is about thirty five million. We live in a we live in an era of the long tail, you know. This is a movie that is finding its audience outside of the movie theater. I expect within a couple of years, the money that it makes by the home video market 
online streaming market uh, and the download market are going to more than make up for what uh, Dread did not make back from how much it cost. And that's the real that's the real problem is that it's really distressing to see a, a movie enjoy, as enjoyable as this that simply because it didn't make enough money in one one portion of its lifespan we're never going to get to see anything else having to do with it you know sequels anything else the best we're going to get according to what i've read online is a comic book and maybe a 10 minute short that's kind of a tragedy i mean this is a good little movie i'm i'm very disappointed that it didn't do as well as it should have yeah i'd love to see a sequel but i'm part of me is like okay with uh with the idea that it stays a comic book and a and a short you know not all forms of media fit the the movie sort of format I guess the thing is is that we both enjoyed Carl Urban in his role, and it's just a shame that we're not going to get a chance to see it see another aspect of that role. I assume that if they had gone for a sequel, the sequel would have been more of the the other kind of uh storytelling that we were talking about, you know where we go more into uh the social aspect of of uh mega city one. Dredd's background and his biography and all that. Right, because uh, as we learned from Judge Dredd, the movie, he's like a, a clone or was engineered or something along those lines. I guess so. I I, I don't know, man. I <laughs> couldn't couldn't care less of what happened in that movie. Yeah. Although I will say one of the downsides to having a movie with actors who know what they're doing is that you don't get to have Armand Sante's over-the-top acting. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Yeah, it's one of the best things in the world. What did you think of uh, Anderson? I actually think Anderson is one of the weak links of the movie. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't impressed with the character. First of all, I think if if you have this kind of action movie, having a psychic character is a bit of a cheat. Yeah, I wonder if that's part of the the lore of the Judge Dredd series. They called her like a mutant, and and they made reference that most of them are like um, physically deformed, but she's she's fine. She's just psychic. She's the most beautiful mutant you've ever seen. She's gorgeous. I have a crush on on her. That's right. She goes into battle with uh, perfect hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really. I mean, besides besides her being gorgeous. And looking great as a blonde, because I looked up pictures of her otherwise, and I guess she's she's a brunette or has black hair. She looks great in this movie, but um, she's I thought I really liked seeing the typical archetype, even for women who are supposed to be, they're they're supposed to be law enforcement characters. The typical archetype is that they're a victim, and I think Anderson was largely in control of the situation, even when she got kidnapped. She was like. She was she was in control. She was confident. She was um, like just trying to figure out how to deal with the situation, and it was really nice and it was really refreshing to see a female character that never never was sort of taken advantage of or overpowered in any way. She she always seemed to be in control. Yeah, but they still played the uh, main threat as rape card a couple of times in the movie. Right, but it you know even when they did that, she like turned it around in a split second. I don't know. How how much of progress is it that that's the still part of the main threat to the character would be, you know, rape. I see. That's the only that's that's the main threat to what a, a woman could face, you know. Right. So it's it's like we've gotten to the point where where the character can be confident 
about the like not be fearful of the threat, but that's still the threat. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Now, when I when I when I think of a a really good example of a female law enforcement character, I think about uh, Lewis from uh, RoboCop. Oh yeah, Murphy's partner, right? That's right. I want to talk a little bit about um, how amazingly tall this building is. Did you notice that? Yeah, it was like, what, 200 levels? Yeah, it's 200 stories. He says when he's at the top of it that it's a kilometer up. So I, I looked that up, and that's 3,200 feet, okay? Okay. The Burj Khalifa is only 2,700 feet. Uh-huh. So every one of these super blocks that we see, and there are like hundreds and hundreds of them, are taller than the tallest building in the world right now. That's pretty cool. Which makes all of the running that they do up and down that much more ridiculous. Yeah, he is in amazing shape. He takes a lot of stairs. <laughs> I uh, I was not uh, paying attention to how in shape Carl Urban was. He's he's in peak physical shape, peak human performance, I'm sure. Well, it should be easy for him because Judge Dredd is apparently not human, right? I, I think I think the judges are just all badass. I mean, Anderson does it too, and and she's uh, she's just a rookie. That's all I got to say about building height. <laughs> <laughs> I like the building. Get out of here, nerd. It was almost a character. No, it was not a character. No, but... no, it was not. And if it was, it was probably like an extra. <laughs> the building may have had more character development than Judge Dredd, though. Oh, oh, oh. Hey. Oh. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Speaking of RoboCop, have you seen the trailer for the new one? Yeah, don't even talk to me about that. Oh, good <laughs> lord. Good lord. What suit is this? It's not a suit. It's you. What the hell did you do to me? Better alive. You're coming with me. We do not need a RoboCop remake. Yeah, we could we could touch on this real quick. I watched the trailer and it really doesn't excite me. It's really missing something. Well, it's the whole. <laughs> well, don't get me started on this because I could go for hours. I mean, I I I am biased, of course. I really enjoy RoboCop. It's a, it's a good movie, uh, from an entertainment standpoint. It's a well-made movie. Technically, it's it's an overall a very very good movie. Mm -hmm. We don't need a remake of it. We don't need to try. It. We we said it the best way the first time. It's like uh, I remember when. Do you do you know the movie Rollerball? No. It was made in 1975. Starring James Caan, okay? It's a corporate-controlled uh, dystopia movie, okay? Uh, America's favorite sport is this ultra-violent thing called rollerball. There's a lot of political commentary that's going on uh, about the time that it was made in the mid-1970s. Then, in 2002, they remade rollerball. And I remember reading an article with uh, the, the producers who were making it basically saying, yeah, we're, we're really just going to get rid of all that political commentary and go straight with an action movie. There's a lot of commentary in RoboCop. There's a lot of humor in RoboCop. There's a lot of pathos in RoboCop. And admittedly, we haven't seen the movie, but the trailer that I saw looked like they just sucked all of that out of the original concept, and they're just going to give us... They're just going to give us the uh, kick-in-the-balls action stuff that the fanboys just crave these days. No, I, I, I don't know about that. I don't think it's a fanboy movie because it's not geared towards... I Okay, so like I said, just from the impressions of the trailer, 
it's it just looks like it's geared towards the mainstream audience that kind of fuzzily remembers RoboCop. Like they threw in all the shit that you remember from RoboCop, like the gun that's in his that's in his hip, and Ed two oh nine. I saw a few of those in there, which is cool to see like Ed two oh nine again, but there's no there's no new angle on it. There's no new let's like let's explore the world of Robocop more. It's let's put all the shit that you kinda remember from Robocop being cool the first time around and we'll just do that again in, in CG. Right. There's absolutely nothing to add to it. If we have nothing to add to it, then let's just not talk. Right. The uh, the original film could just stand on its own. All right, Aaron. So uh, final thoughts about Judge Dredd. I think we're I think there isn't really much to wrap up here. It's pretty clear how we feel about it. Yeah, it was a nice. It was a really nice, refreshing movie to watch. It felt pure in its execution. It didn't pull in crap it didn't need. Oh, I totally forgot about something I was going to complain about. Okay, what is it? Hit me. Was I the only one who was, at times, increasingly annoyed by the use of slow motion photography? Hmm, slow mo. I understand that the slow-mo drug is a large part of the plot and it's used to punctuate a number of things, but at some point the slow motion photography just started to grate on my nerves. I mean it's not like it's not like Peter Jackson's King Kong. Do you remember do you remember Peter Jackson's King Kong? Oh, I loved Peter Jackson's King Kong. I did not. And <laughs> one of the reasons I did not like Peter Jackson's King Kong was because there was a slow motion insert shot every five fucking seconds. Huh. I did not notice that. It's like every third shot is like a slow motion thing that does not need to be there. It's I just Okay, so so here's my theory on slow mo. And I didn't I didn't really get the I didn't like the drug because um it just made people perceive time as slower, but it didn't give them any ability to react as if time were slower. So that that was like, what a stupid drug. You you sit there like as if time is slowing down, but when Judge Dredd bursts into the room with a gun, you're not any faster at like shooting at him. So that that bothered me. It seemed like a it seemed like a dumb drug, I guess. I don't know. But it's but it but it's a drug. It's not it's it's a drug. You're not it's not a physical well, okay. The vocabulary side of performance enhancing, this is not like a mutant thing that you're taking to give you super speed. You're injecting something that makes you perceive the world differently. Right, but you're not actually living in a different time scale. No, no, no. You're you're experiencing the world at one percent of the world's natural speed, which I assume means that your thinking processes are also one percent of your original speed. So <laughs> it's not it's not like we're witnessing something in slow mo and we can basically move like a hummingbird to fix something. Yeah, it's probably it's probably messing with your brain's memories. So it's not that you actually perceive time slower, it's that you store a lot more of a lot more memories during the time you're on the drug. So when it's all over you think time went a lot slower. That's my guess. I, I don't know, cause we don't we're certainly not scientists living in uh, Mega City One. No, but that was that was one of the other things that bu that increasingly bugged me, and I and I I get why it was there. I mean, it's a huge part of the script, and it makes for a fairly satisfying ending when he basically makes her take the drug and then throws her off of the off the balcony. Well, I th I think it was also a way to tie in to a comic book format 
because it gave you see in comic books um they comic comic books do a great job at showing you just the right moment in an action sequence um, because they can't illustrate the entire action sequence, right? So they show you the most exciting, the most key, the most dynamic parts. And you can't really do that in a movie until you do gratuitous slow motion effects. So the drug was just a, a mechanism to get comic book-like action sequences, like frames of action on the film. I'll tell you what it gave us. What it gave us was an opportunity to do computer-generated blood splatter effects, which, you know me, I love my practical <laughs> effects, and I hate the way computer-generated blood splatter effects look in the context of a film. But those were slow-mo blood splatter effects. Right, I That's get that. That's exactly what it would look like when you were on the drug. It still looked like computer-generated imagery, though. I don't know. That didn't bother me as much as... Um... If, if they have no justification for it. Give me a squib dropped into a condom filled with blood. That's the way I like my gunshot wounds. <laughs> All right. All right, so, Dread, thumbs up, more or less. Definitely thumbs up. Two thumbs up. I would highly recommend this movie. It's a ton of fun. See it? Buy it? What do you think? Jeez, I would say buy it. This is a, this is a fun movie to just have on the shelf, and I find it so pure and so easy to watch and refreshing that I, I could see myself coming back to this movie just to like cleanse my palate from a shitty movie. Bold words, my friend, bold words. I'm, this, is, was, this was a bold movie. I would say see it, definitely see it, especially if, uh, if you're into action movies or comic book movies. Again, filled with incredible amounts of violence, very surprising amounts of violence, but if you can look past that, it's a very satisfying action movie. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say buy it. There would have to be some incredible extras on that home media format. Certainly don't skip it. Mm -hmm. Go go see it. It's it's one of the better times I've had watching a movie in, in recent memory. Yeah. It makes me want that sequel. I want to know more about Anderson and the picture of her family and what happened to them and see more of them working together as a team. Maybe you should get that Kickstarter going. Hmm. I'll take a look. Put my money where my mouth is. Is that what you're saying? I should just shut up. That's and, what I'm saying. <laughs> and go participate. Get your get your twelve million dollars out of the bank, Aaron, or shut up. Yeah, I will have to make what did this production? So fifty million. So it's fifty million. I'm gonna make, make another dread movie with Carl Urban. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Brand X, the generic no frills movie podcast. Anyway, until next week, this is Brand X. I'm Scott, and I'm Aaron. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 